We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and learn, and pay respect to the First Nations peoples and their elders past, present, and future. We're recording on Gadigal land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. to Press Play, a euphony podcast and powered by Yamaha headphones. I'm Tiana Speeder, your host. Each week, join me, my co-host Andrew Mast, and our Rewind and Reissues expert Steve Bell alongside an epic lineup of artists and figures from all around the industry to dive into everything music. From new releases to pop culture moments happening in the music industry world right now and much more. This week, we're diving into a heap of exciting new albums out this week, some recent new songs, plus I am also joined by Joe Newman from UK indie rock lords Alt-J to chat about their brand new album that's due out this week, The Dream. To follow along with Press Play, you can grab a listen to any of the songs and the artists that we mentioned today in the episode via our Spotify mixtape. Just search for the Press Play mixtape on Spotify or head to our website, euphony.com.au to learn more. And another option to find our mixtape and to keep up to date with all things press play in general, you can check out our new Instagram account. It is at pressplay.pod. Love music, press play. Well, let's dive right in and kick off with some new albums and EPs that are out this week. And as always, first off on Press Play, we will be taking a look at some of the new albums and EPs releasing this week. But before we start that, joining me now is my amazing co-host, Andrew Mast. Masty, another week, another episode of Press Play. Good to be here and always good to be described as amazing. Oh, I will continually do it then. But Marcy, as the weeks have been progressing, the chart news is coming back through and it's coming in thick and fast. Last week, we did see that The Weeknd's Dawn FM returned back to the number one spot on the ARIA albums charts. It had briefly slipped to number four, but it's back in pole position. And closer to home, the Whitlam's were also back in the albums chart for the first time in a decade with their new album, Sancho. Sancho? I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but that clocked in at number 21. And before we dive into our album and EP reviews today, here is a quick snapshot of a few things that are releasing this week. First up, New Zealand dream pop slash indie rock group Mild Orange will unveil their most ambitious outing yet with their new album Looking for Space dropping this week. It was recorded in six beautiful locations across New Zealand in the space of a year. This is an album about learning to grow and being true to yourself. And here in Australia, the hotly anticipated debut album Antihero from Sydney via Wollongong rapper Husky will also drop this week, wielding plenty of raw and harrowing thematics delivered in extremely gripping fashion. And the man who currently graces my iPhone home screen, Eddie Vedder, will also this week release his long-awaited new album, Earthling, an extremely stacked album that boasts collaborations with a dazzling array of fellow pop and rock icons. We're talking Ringo Starr, Stevie Wonder and Elton John. Marcy, I couldn't review this one this week because I would talk for the whole show about it. So let's start with you. What have you got first today? We're going to look at William Crichton's Water and Dust. Look, this album starts with a crow call. And it gets me every time. It's so crystal clear. I look out my window expecting to see the bird perch there. It's got me every single time I've listened to it. Uh, I love crows. Uh, Is that a sad thing to say? Uh, But as far as I'm concerned, that bodes well for the album. And, And basically that's how this set kicks off with the album's title track. Water and Dust is a slow and scorching piece of heavy blues. It sets the tone for a powerful album of strong lyrics, versatile songwriting, impressive musicianship, and Crichton's lived-in vocals. It's a good world. It's a good 
man is bitter against the world who has only himself to blame. Let the darkest part of the past be dark and only the good recall. For I must believe this world of ours is a kind world after If you're familiar with earlier single, Your Country, you know that anger is palpable as Crichton sings, I don't understand why our elected leaders become bottom feeders to the corporate man. It also doubles as an anthemic scream along. It's his third album and it's recorded at uh, Jim Mogany's from Midnight Oil Studio. It also features Rob Hurst on drums, William Barton on didgeridoo, and there's some amazing didgeridoo playing on this, like absolutely amazing. And Jeff Lang is on guitar. It's a potent mix. Highlights for me include the energy of the one-take recording stand, the phasing in it, the urgency of the rhythm, and Julian Crichton's accompanying vocals just take it to a whole other level. Also, uh, a highlight for me, after all, a Henry Lawson poem where Crichton's voice has that same chilling effect I get from listening to old Jimmy Little recordings. Stunning. Mm, what an absolute gem this album is. I do, I still never forget the first time I heard his track Smile. It just had so much smoky brilliance. But third album territory here, that smoky charm has busted out of the room and it's now cavorting across a starry dark night sky like William's vocals just grip you and do not let go and I like the little snippets of psychedelia and like hazy intensity amongst all these blues and just this effortless storytelling he is not of this world I am sure of it just an absolute talent and isn't that some of the musical interplay on it it's just unexpected some of the things they do I feel like there's such fresh musical ideas that I've never heard before it, it's it and you just have to listen to it again and again and again and it just reveals more I know people say that about albums a lot but it really does it just reveals more and more of the musicianship at, at, on each listen in, incredible Absolutely. And one I will definitely be revisiting a lot, I dare say. Well, first up for me, I'm taking us to Sweden today and looking at a staggering new album out this week. It's called The Long Road North from Swedish Titans Cult of Luna and it's dropping via Metal Blade Records. So Cult of Luna formed way back in the late 90s and they earlier on were a bit more of a doomier metal kind of vibe for it but they've since evolved into a heap of different territories like post-metal progressive metal and more but the fact that they've been around for so long should indicate pretty significantly that this new album is a scintillating masterpiece but they don't just win by a time default they have always been held as genuine pioneers of their genre and the long road north is a jewel in a very stacked crown for the group so tracks like the opener cold burn bears all of the blistering fire cascading instrumentals and just vocal savagery that fans have really come to expect and adore but Cult of Luna are also never a one-trick pony and they have this indestructible knack for balancing the brutality with almost cinematic vivid serenity at just the right moments and seen in particular on the track Full Moon as well as the beautifully brooding and meandering album Midway Point that is Into the Night. So the Long Road North also packs in some pretty awesome features and a particular highlight was Colin Stetson who has worked with the likes of the Arcade Fire and Tom Waits and they also put in some unfinished recordings from their 2019 album A Dawn to Fear which was tracked for this new release. So don't get me wrong, Cult of Luna will rip things to guttural shreds at times but I chose the song snippet we heard earlier just now specifically for today's review. It was a little bit softer and I 
chose it because I think people really need to see and hear that there is so much more to heavy music and many bands than just walls of growls and noise. And this album furthers a career-long narrative of being elegantly dark and intoxicating and experimental all at once. The downtune chugs and insatiable percussion still stand, but Cult of Luna are really just masters at their craft. There is so much to unpack overall, and I feel each re-listen is going to really reward equally, regardless of your stance on so-called heavy music. And just as a, just as a final note, a perfect album, in my opinion. I think you can predict what I liked about this album. Much to the shame of the metalheads in my family, I prefer the less loud moments. I would normally say the quiet moments, but that's not quite the right word here. But I've latched onto you saying it was cinematic. That's exactly where my mind went. Um, tracks like Beyond One and An Offering to the Wild, they're just epic soundscapes. And it somehow the moments that were quite still brutal, and I do remember them, you know, my um, shallow knowledge I have of metal, um, I did remember them as a doom metal band, so I didn't know this progression had happened over the years. So, yeah, they're quite taken aback by what I found on this. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> what have you got next, Nasty? I've got uh, coming up Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators 4. Now, time is seriously flying, and I, I think we all feel like that through the lockdowns and the pandemic, pandemic. But when I heard that Slash and Miles had recorded another album together, I thought, hmm, it's only their second one. But the giveaway was in the title, It's Their Fourth. <laughs> so there's more of their full-blown red meat rock and roll. But like everyone else, they've been affected by the pandemic, and you can hear that in tracks like The River Is Rising, where the lyrics are looking at, and I'm quoting Kennedy here, how humans can be brainwashed or indoctrinated by some sort of dangerous idea. Gee, I wonder what they're referring to there. <laughs> uh, of course, this album is overflowing with expert guitar licks, but there's a variety of musical styles on display here, from barroom boogie that you can hear in action speak louder than words. There's old school psych metal in spirit love, and there's even an infusion of funk which when I read that there was a promise of funk on the album, I didn't believe it, but there it was in April Fool. Um, and a track like Spirit Love, I'll go back to that, it actually features Sitar. And I love that in the press material, Slash points out that don't worry, we've got Sitar, but it was run through a Marshall at full blast. So there's no letting up for this crew. Uh, but for me, it all comes together in Call Off the Dogs, where the team give out an almost 70s deep purple vibe which is the kind of thing I grew up on. <laughs> so, of course, I, I fall back on, on the nostalgia of that sound. Look, this has been recorded in Nashville at Chet Atkins' old studio. It seems like it was the perfect setting for what, for what is very much a jam-out album. Well, Marcy, I am so glad you covered it. I've been really excited about it. And I do believe that the project has apparently been around for a decade. So, yes. uh, yeah, <laughs> raise my hand. I was aware, but not that aware. But the rock and roll gods are strong with this release. I love that you said red meat rock and roll. That's exactly what so much of it is. But with all those other things like the funk and all that too, which I always love. And the river is rising instantly made me fall head over heels in love again with my beloved rock and roll. Is it reinventing the wheel? Not entirely, but I love Slash himself said, it's a band where everybody just wants to get together and play. And honestly, that's what rock really is all about. It's energetic, exciting. It's an explosive journey that just celebrates grooves, hooks, and some classic rock stees that just travels me back in time to when rock and roll reigned supreme. But as we see, rock and roll sure as hell ain't dead. And this new album just proved it in spades, Masty. Yeah, and you can tell they've had a lot of fun. <laughs> the, the, the old men rocking out in the studio together, you can hear it. You can hear it all the way through. Hell yes. Well, from international rock and roll to some local art pop now, my second review for today shares, well, the name of the EP shares the same name as a Converge album I looked at back in November last year, but it's very different. Oh, it um, does too. <laughs> today's Blood Moon release is much closer to home and it's from the art of powerhouse that is Montana Sharp, who is releasing her Blood Moon EP this week. So the EP kicks off with the lush and glam tune Way of the Whiffler, which I love saying over and over. Stop and think before you kiss her. 
From the get-go, there is, it's just a truly sublime adventure. So it's packed full of glistening pianos, undulating rhythmics and Sharp's just insatiable warmth as she soars and glows across these five tracks. And some early reviews here have actually signposted the fact that some of these tracks could almost stage a James Bond soundtrack or an opening, you know, theme song. And they also praise her raw and honest art and compositions. And sorry, that voice, it will send glittery chills down your spine. Like, unsurprisingly, she's an accomplished pianist. She's classically trained, but there's such an exciting modern flourish. And for such a young artist, she has this incredible maturity and strength. Like, you genuinely want to rise up and be better after hearing tracks like The Absolute Belt of Power. And it was also a great peek behind the curtain. I read on Amplify that she was influenced by albums like Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Peel, Adele's 25 and Into the Wild by Hailstorm. So it's really exciting to see that like really empowering stuff coming through, but she still injects this classical with this modern little overtones. So overall, I think just for me, Blood Moon was empowering, expertly crafted, and someone seriously needs to get this girl on a cinematic soundtrack ASAP. Hollywood, please make it happen. Well, it's it previously she's been compared to the likes of Kate Miller Hiker and even Radiohead. I, I thought this is probably a little less theatrical than her previous stuff. And like you said, it's 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 raw. Uh, so it seems like she's purposely cut back, but you can still hear the drama that the drama you're talking about in, in the, the song title that you also named Way of the Whiffler. I mean, the drama's in the title and how good is it? I had to look up what Whiffler meant. Though. So again, educational. Thank you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a, a really good uh, EP flagging her, her, her talent just on the up. Mm, and speaking of EPs, Marcy, our feature album is also an EP. Yes, this one is Self-Preservation from Grace. I wait for the right time to tell you Your stubbornness won't help your issues Look, she's best known for a featured vocal on Hayden James' Numb. That, like, that blew up bigger than everything. <laughs> it's, uh, and from that, she's actually racked up her own really impressive streaming figures. If you have a look, you'll see Last Night sitting on 26 million, SOS on 10 million, Had Fun at Your Party, 6 million, and so on. Those kind of numbers are, are just crazy for someone that's not that well-known um, outside of NUM. So it's interesting now that you can build this um, streaming profile and, and not uh, be a household name in Australia. But I think this is going to set about, I think she's got some real support from her label and I think we're going to see a bit of a campaign to, to get Grace out there. This second EP finds her pairing back her sound and tackling some personal topics, including uh, the death of her father, which she's admitted she had struggled to uh, incorporate into her music. And, and this time around, she's, she's really found her voice about it. Uh, I, I'm really impressed with things like Selfish. It's just a simple guitar strum and Grace's voice, very little else. Yet it, it's also the EP's most effective moment. This uncluttered production is a major feature of the EP. Closing track, American Pie reruns, great title, um, adds extra layers of vocals, fleshes out the arrangement, but somehow Grace's voice still floats above it. And it's almost like an intimate secret is being whispered in your ear. I mean, she's been influenced, and this is her saying this by Olivia Rodrigo and Phoebe Bridges. And she said she wants her listeners to feel like they're listening to a diary entry when they hear her music. And man, she really has done that. Yeah, I think I think that's the perfect way to put it. And I do remember, I know obviously Numb was such a big thing and I remember back in 2018 when her track Kissing Boys came out, I it snagged a bit of airplay at the time and I was like, oh, this is, you know, this just snagged my attention and that was also the same year she signed with Sony Music Australia. Like you kind of touched on, this one's 
not torturous as much as her previous one was. Like she's her first time around, she was really torturing herself over relationships and friendships and escapism for a lot of stuff. This one I feel is more of a unique snapshot of youth coming of age. There's still a grief factor coming through in various things, but I think it's really showcased that her soul searching has evolved into a bit more of a mature way to express this. And it's now an artist who is putting that behind her and is really stamping out what she wants to become. And I know, Masty, we kind of, when we first heard it, I think we both kind of touched on there is kind of significant flavours of like almost a bit of Delta Goodrum on the release at times. But, you know, we've got the piano laid and stuff like the opening track, Unhappy. But I really liked how she then flowed into more acoustic ballads and just a couple of wispy vocals happening on stuff like Half Awake and Sentimental and it's tracks like that that does really link it drastically to that intimate and natural stylings like you touched on of Olivia Rodrigo and Phoebe Bridges but look sentimentality isn't always everyone's cup of tea but for those who like a bit of haunting intimacy in their sonic beverage I think self-preservation is really shiny it's slick and it's really just deeply rooted in moments of some interesting alt pop and really emotive palettes so it's a very pleasant listen. Well, Masty, a nice little way to finish here, but before we bid farewell to all things new albums this week, it is time, of course, to throw to today's guest reviewer. And our guest reviewer for today, he is back, the one and only Mikey Carl, writer, DJ, podcaster, content producer, MC trivia host. No doubt he's added a few extra adventures to that mix since we last spoke, but Mikey, it is the first time we've had you back on Press Play for 2022. What? album have you got for us today the new shamir album called heterosexuality uh shamir's a person from las vegas that i've been following for quite quite some time in 2014 uh he i mean back then he, he kind of got ahead of the whole pronouns game and said i want to be the first non-gender artist and kind of was you know in terms of people sort of like going from underground to overground uh, and the record Ratchet was one of my favourites was sitting on my wall frame still, me and my partner and just like all my friends got so down with that record. The production on the record, uh, T, was by Nick Sylvester from God Mode. Basically heard Shamir's voice, went, I need that fucking voice on, on an album. Did a whole record and the, such a strong, like super, super dancey, a bit Hercules and Love Affair, kind of you know, a bit Chicago housey. It's just a whole bunch of fun. Since then, I've kind of dropped off a little bit with Shamir. Um, he put out a, a, a record, which is kind of like a little sort of detuned indie demos record. And I thought that was a bad move because I listened to it and as deep he got into that album, there was just some really bung notes and some just sort of tossed up ideas. And, you know, when you're putting work out into the world, you really want to, you know, make sure it's the best work. You know, conversely, I like the fact that he didn't like fuss over and say, this, this can't get released, you know, more artists, I guess, should, should put, a, you know, put stuff out there just to sort of sate their fans and kind of go through their creative process. Anyways, uh, put it a self-titled record in 2020, which was which was solid. I'll say that, which is a great uh, sort of a passive-aggressive way of saying it was okay. But this thing, I really dig this. This record's sort of cooler. It's moodier. Um, it's quite abrasive. It starts off with a real kind of uh, breakbeat intro, hints of Aphex Twin and DAF. Produced by a guy called uh, Hollow Comet, a member of the band Strange Ranger. That's all a sentence that came out of my mouth just there. Um, and I think it's the best fit since Nick Sylvester in terms of productions. Uh, sort of production chops and having a, um, a kind of a real edgy sound, but sort of having this sort of pop sensibility underneath the whole thing. Uh, some of these songs wouldn't sound out of place on Buffy at the Bronze Nightclub. Uh, that real kind of like, I'm feeling moody and who do I kiss tonight? Spike or Angel? Uh, <laughs> for me, it would be um, God, Charisma Carpenter, whichever character she played. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can relate to that. Very good, Tiana. Oh, yeah. I'm really on a, on a, I'm going on hard here, but let's keep going. Gay Agenda is the first track, and it's very much sets out the sort of the themes of this album, like, you know, unashamedly, this is who I am. You know, this is this is my Grace Jones on Nang's record, I'm calling it. <laughs> and sort of Sesame Street character on a three-day Berlin bender at the after-after party. Uh, that's, the, that's the feeling I get, even though it's not the, the danciest album. Um, this is sort of a lot of sort of, yes, I said, sort of indie rock and sort of angular stuff, but there's heaps of really um, kind of, I remember the Chemical Brothers said, we try and make some of the most annoying sounds we can and put them in a song, like a really annoying, abrasive kind of get on your nerves. So I never realised, but that is a real hook to the Chemical Brothers with everything else going on, pushing it forward. And I think they've kind of done a sort of similar, similar thing here with some of the tracks, like Cisgender, which is the second track. Where... Cisgender. 
to me says, I don't want to be your girl or I don't want to be your man. The Knife as well, RIP, we'd love to have another record from The Knife. Stability has hints of Gwen Stefani, that's track four. Really steady, quite an enticing song. This, this work kind of, this album kind of does the work for you as well. It sort of brings, brings you in, um, which that second album, the, the indie thing, which sort of pushed, you, pushed us away. So um, everything about this, this, this album, this sort of move by Shamir, feels to me like a really smart one and a really kind of natural progression for him. Uh, at the same time, I, I still really want to hear some more Ratchet. I'd love to, someone to jump on and remix a few of these cuts, which I think could happen. Um, one of the ones, one of the moments that a lot of artists do this is a track called Abomination. I remember when Kanye called himself the Abomination of Obama's Nation. He sort of, you know, it's like a checkmate on everybody. In Excess had the song Mediate, where they did a lot of things rhyming Mediate. The Avalanches, Tiana had um, Wherever You Go, uh, and then a cherry rhymed a whole bunch of words with incinerate. It was kind of this, you know, comment on global warming, etc. So a lot of artists feel like they need to do that track where they sort of write a lot of things with abomination or something similar. And I don't mind it, but it's probably not the strongest moment uh, on the record. Uh, Caught Up is, is a track. It starts off with this kind of namaste sine waves. It really brings you in. And line by uh, Shamir, I never thought you'd be the perfect person to get me out of bad shit. Great line. Always been a fantastic lyricist and always sort of comes at it with almost like a um, a hip-hop kind of rapping braggadocio approach at times as well, which I think is is super cool. I think um, Shamir kind of, for a long time, the production can't quite keep up with his voice. And on this record, it mostly does. But every now and then, uh, I think there's a song called Father, which is a bit of a torch song could be this year's posthumous forgiveness by Tame Impala, where he's kind of making peace with his father and everything that went on there. And the strength of, of, of Shamir's voice, those pipes, you know, you'd like to see it live. Uh, and I think, I think Hollow Comet overall does a really, really good job of, um, sort of, yeah, stepping up and, and sort of matching uh, old uh, Grace Jones on Nangs. <laughs> <laughs> The perfect way to put it. I do agree. Well, like the first time I heard on the regular, I think my brain exploded into glitter and seeing this journey and seeing where this is eventuated, I am really glad that he did change from his initial shifts. And I think you really touched on that too. And I guess it's so much genre bending throughout it, but you know, just proof of a personal growth and an excellent choice, Mikey. Yeah, and I'll say, remember, it's interesting, Mike, too, because we just got to respect that the artist's trajectory and, and where they go with their careers. Lauren Hill did the Fugees, then put out a solo album, and then has done nothing for us. And I can't help but music critic in me just is like, please just give us another record. Steve Cross from American Trial said it's one of the most disappointing careers in music. And it sounds really harsh, but... You know, you kind of made a pact with us, didn't you? Are you going to give us some more of this music? So that's a very kind of selfish way of looking at it. But uh, I think what I like about Shamir is where he's ended up at the moment and how he's positioned for 2022. It's looking super positive. I'd love to see him tour around. I'd love to see him throw, you know, on the regular to hear, hi, hi, howdy, hi. Say, hi, hi, howdy, hi. If I can do it one more time. Hi, hi, howdy, howdy, hi, hi. We say it all the time in my house. We sort of sing around with slightly husky Australian voices. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm... Yeah, I, I like it. I'm glad you're sort of picking up as well what I'm putting down and what Shamir's putting down with, with the, the journey. Yeah, an exciting little kickstart to 2022 as well. An excellent album, Mikey, as per usual. And for everyone listening with all our featured albums and songs that you hear throughout today's episode of Press Play, you can grab a listen in full via our Press Play mixtape on Spotify. Mikey, thank you so much and we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. See you, fans, people, listeners. Mwah. Back in 2007, a group of uni mates in Leeds started writing and playing music together, not quite fathoming that casual living room gigs and an enjoyment of triangles would eventually lead to a Mercury Prize, Grammy Award nominations and a debut album in 2012 that would go on to be classed as the one that flipped the indie script via its genre-morphing experimentation and catchy-as-hell off-kilter pop tendencies. The band in question, Alt-J, have since gone on to become one of the most successful modern British bands, boasting the coveted feat of successfully cracking America, selling over 2 million records, carving up half a billion streams, and even counting artists like Miley Cyrus as a fan. With 2022 now well and truly upon us, it has been over four years now since fans last copped a brand new studio Alt-J album. But as of this week, the fourth album chapter in the Alt-J tale is upon us, 
bustling with songs about beauty, darkness, Hollywood and even true crime weaved with the classic Alt-J sonic hallmarks. And to celebrate the long-awaited release of this new album titled The Dream, Alt-J vocalist and guitarist Joe Newman joins me right now on Press Play to discuss this brand new release. And Joe Newman from Alt-J joins me now. It's very exciting. Not only are we just at the beginning of 2022, I know it's already been a bit of a strange year for many of us, but some joy that we are imminently being gifted is The Dream, which is, of course, Alt-J's fourth studio album. But I guess, like, to start off with, it has been a little bit of time now since we last got a brand new Alt-J album, obviously, since Relaxer, then you guys did the remix album, but... How does it feel to reach this point, particularly with what's been going on over the last two and a bit years? Yeah, it's been um, it's been a long journey, I think, for us. Uh, we took 2019 out um, after touring the last album, Relaxer. Um, I think we just needed time to reconnect with um, friends, family and just ourselves. And so we had that year out and then we came back the beginning of 2020 and uh, the pandemic just happened and everything like the world just was just this huge pause button so it actually was an opportunity for us to keep writing um and do what we would do ordinarily um under kind of extraordinary situ- uh, sort of a uh, situation so um mm. but it, it's it's nice to it's nice to be on the precipice of releasing something yeah. um it's just like it's what we do and it actually what we do it comes around not that often actually the mm. moment that you and so it's really exciting for us yay well it's exciting all around I think to the fans and obviously all of us here in Australia are so excited about it that going back a ways like relaxer kind of gave a little bit of everything like we got string sections and there were so many like diverse sonic flourishes when it came time to the dream was there a game plan back in the day like did you have a pretty firm idea of where you wanted to head I know there are some darker themes this time around and you've still got really interesting flourishes but you know cheekier moments as well but overall was the plan to capture some of life's less rosy moments with this one I don't I mean like your game plan probably um is executed only as far as the songs that you're writing at the time I I don't think we think about a general um mood to the album um but what we've always done is we just sort of take a song at a song at a time and um i think oh when you look back on like if you're if you're so you know the first three or four songs for example you can easily start seeing sort of like themes like uh love loss mm, maybe true crime mm-hmm. um and um uh you know the claustrophobia and paranoia and general kind of sort of loss of control of the pandemic Mm. i think they kind of uh influence the writing um but you're not there's no game plan i don't think until until and actually like when you release an album um it's it's actually quite a cathartic process because you can then you can release the work and then it's exposed to the general public and your fans and then they will um, almost um, sort of like volley back their experience of the album and 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 by doing that you are told what the album is in a way so it's actually we're not quite there we're not we're not quite at the stage where we understand the album. I think that's only like six months after we released the album that you just, the feedback is really important to understanding the body of work. I love that. And it's just such a beautiful manifestation of your art too, that is just evolving with each release you guys seem to put out. And 
I know like live music has kind of been off the menu for a lot of people for a long time. That is slowly coming good. We're slowly coming into something that has some semblance to it. But is there a particular song on the dream? Not that I want you to play favorites, but is there one you absolutely cannot wait to play live? Like any personal favorites that you just absolutely itching to finally play on stage? I think, yeah, there are songs that I look forward to playing with the band and there are songs that I really look forward just singing. And one, one of those songs, the foremost, um, it's called Walk a Mile. And um, it's it's kind of just like a country, bluesy, soul-infused song, which is, um, I think, maybe something that I, it's more instinctive to me and the music that I used to listen to when I was younger. I listened to a lot of soul music and um, and and actually that was something that that was kind of my first experience of like music that actually meant something just like just the, just the the voice as a as a as a weapon almost and while we all will have to unfortunately wait until tomorrow to grab a listen to the song that Joe's talking about there walk a mile here is a snippet from another incredible track lying in wait on the dream when it does unveil here is hard drive gold And you can catch some epic behind-the-scenes stories about the music video for Hard Drive Gold and more on tomorrow's episode of my other podcast, The Green Room with Tiana Speeder. Joe joins me for an epic episode diving into the new album, directing and playing gigs in living rooms. But for even more press play fun in the meantime, you can keep up to date with all things press play via our brand new Instagram account at pressplay.pod. This summer, catch up on Rewind with Steve Bell, the podcast that reveals how your favorite music is created from the people who created it. Hear oral histories of classic recordings by Silverchair, The Avalanches, Regurgitator, Something for Kate, The Triffids, Daryl Braithwaite, Paul Kelly, and more. And just out now, Steve Bell sits down with Archie Roach to explore the recording of his milestone album, Charcoal Lane. Listen to Rewind with Steve Bell on euphony.com.au or your favourite streaming platform. Rewind your summer. So last week I was joined in Press Play's viral slash pop culture roundup segment by my regulars Andrew Master and Steve Bell to discuss an article that proclaimed old music to be killing the discovery of new music. But for today's episode, when John Cena, James Gunn and a Suicide Squad spin-off series combines... Well, who would have thought it would save a Norwegian metal band who were broken up and dropped by their agent three days before HBO Max's The Peacemaker debuted? Does that sound familiar? Well, for anyone who's watched the new series, The Peacemaker, that two-step track will be entirely familiar. And it was also the career-saving kiss of life for Norwegian spandex outfit Wigwam, a glam metal band who formed back in 2001 and as of earlier this year were entirely down on their musical luck. While The Peacemaker became an instant smash upon its debut earlier this year, both with critics and hectic comic fans alike, it was the show's offbeat but memorable opening credits that equally resonated with viewers. Scripted by James Gunn and choreographed by Carissa Barton, who, fun fact, is married to the incredible Alan Tudyk. Well, who could forget that dance number set to a deliciously ornate glam metal track? The song in question, Wigwam's Do You Wanna Taste It, was taken off the band's third studio album, Nonstop Rock and Roll, which released back in 2010. But it's not just the fact that a slightly obscure Norwegian band ended up front and centre for this unforgettable coordinated dance with all of the Peacemaker characters robotically busting a move. It's also the story behind the track that truly makes this even more incredible. 
While a lot of us here in Australia and potentially outside of Norway won't necessarily be familiar with the name Wigwam, the band actually won the Norwegian final in the Eurovision Song Contest in 2005 and they ended up placing ninth overall in the competition with their song In My Dreams. In an interview earlier this year, the band spoke to Billboard and revealed that three days before the Peacemaker premiere, their Scandinavian booking agency had dropped them from their roster because there was too little interest in the band. The band had begged the agency to wait a few days but to no avail, but for a band who had been dropped from an agency, could not find gigs, it's essentially the little engine that could tail and it's actually thanks to James Gunn's love for Swedish rock and hair metal that inadvertently paved the way for the flashy and, in Gunn's words, ludicrous dance scene that helped set all of the fun behind the Peacemaker series. And continuing the fairy tale, Wigwam also had another track, their Eurovision smash In My Dreams featured on the Peacemaker series as well. And they are now working on an album due out for release in October this year. So maybe Marcy and I may have to keep an eye out on that for press play. Who knows? We may be, we may be revisiting this. But it just goes to show patience is a virtue sometimes. And you never know when John Cena and James Gunn may revitalise your fledgling glam metal career. And as a side note, if anyone wants to start a glam metal band to sync with some upcoming superhero series, please hit us up over at our Pressplay Instagram at pressplay.pod. But for now, here's a taste of another Wigwam Perla. Here is In My Dreams to take us into our next segment. Well, no episode of Press Play is truly complete without a visit from our favourite music history and vinyl expert, Steve Bell is back again. Many listeners would, of course, know Belly from his podcast, Rewind with Steve Bell, and he also co-owns Sonic Sherpa Records to name a few of his amazing adventures. But Belly, welcome back to Press Play. Hey, how are you going? It's very great to see your face and obviously <laughs> for everyone to hear it as well. But let's dive in. <laughs> what moments in musical history from this week are we revisiting today? Alrighty, well, 25 years ago today, Blur released their self-titled album. Um, it was, you know, this is what album number six or five or six. They just sort of come out of that Britpop war that they'd been uh, waging against Oasis. They won a couple of battles, but they were probably losing the war. Oasis had become a pretty massive proposition, so they took a bit of a pivot. They um, they went away from you know being idiosyncratically English and looked towards. America and bands like Pavement, they were all of a sudden name checking. Um, I found it hard to hear. Like I was always, look, I was a huge Pavement fan, still am obviously. When they started saying, oh, these new songs, like song number two was supposed to be their Pavement song. Couldn't hear it. Love the song. Um, but, yeah, it was a real turning point for them. It did really well. It went to number one in the UK. They were still loved over there. 22 here, 61 in the US, which bizarrely enough is their highest ever chart spot or to that time. Um, yeah, they just never really took off over there. But, yeah, it was a really interesting um, release for them, just a whole new approach. And, yeah, it, it seemed to work. Yeah, and, I mean, I think I knew song two before I even knew who Blur were. So I think it's just a song that has continued to have that, yeah, ricochet effect. So it was awesome to see them evolve though too. That was the really fascinating thing when I finally went back and discovered Blur properly. So, yeah, I love it. Awesome. And just 50 years ago to do, uh, 50 years ago today as well, David Bowie played his first ever gig as Ziggy Stardust uh, at a tiny pub in Surrey called the Toby Jug with about 60 people by all accounts in attendance. Uh, the first time he'd, you know, pulled out his alien rock star persona. Uh, God knows what the people in that little Surrey pub were thinking, but it it sort of changed rock and roll. It certainly put his career on a whole new trajectory. You know, the Spiders from Mars as a band and the album and everything just put him on a bit of a juggernaut. Um, so yeah, 50 years ago today we were introduced to Ziggy, and that it only lasted a couple of years. But yeah, like I said, it was really important. 
Yeah, and such a turning point, hey, my God. Yeah, yeah. and also 51 years ago today, Carol King put out Tapestry. I just want to say that we still sell so much of that album. People love it, so. Yeah, oh, yeah. another so much good stuff in the seventies. It's what a musical decade, honestly. Like, if I could time travel, that would probably be where I'd go. But I know we've had, we've always got some amazing stories there. But also with our reissues, what do we have to look forward to on the horizon this week? Well, the big one today is Joy Division are putting out the fortieth anniversary reissue of their Still compilation, which was released in eighty two, and it was um yeah just to gathered together all of their stuff on two records and it's been done on the ruby red sleeve crystal two lp clear vinyl you have to get it from them at the moment but when they did the um reissues for unknown pleasures and closer they they made it to australia pretty quickly so hopefully we'll see them in the not too distant future and i know a lot of people are super looking forward to getting their hands on that um it's a bit light on issues this week there's an interesting one the harold and maud uh soundtrack that cult classic film i know master is a massive fan it's the 50th anniversary reissue of that soundtrack and it it features songs by cat stevens who was pretty early in his career at the time and he stopped them putting that soundtrack out for a long long time um because in his mind he thought it was um a de facto greatest hits to a degree and he didn't want that he wanted to curate his own greatest hits there was also some arguments between whether they'd used the right uh, versions of the original songs in the soundtrack so there's all this friction but it's been out now for a while and the 50th anniversary one uh, i know actually a lot of people are looking forward to um and just in the soundtrack realms too there's a couple of weirder ones here video game soundtrack um today there's the guardians of the galaxy official video game soundtracks getting a 2lp colored vinyl release so it's the halo infinite video game soundtrack um I just, to me, that just seems really random, but knowing you know, our customers, I know someone out there is doing down fist pumps right now is just so excited to be able to hear their favorite video game soundtrack on record. And there's no right or wrong with these things. It's funny. I, I used to play the original Halo games like back at the end of high school and I have not gone near Halo Infinite because I don't trust myself to sit there and play it. But I mean, it's, it could be a fun gift, you know, they don't even have to necessarily play it. They could just have it on the wall. But yeah, some again, as always with each week, something for everyone, Belly. You always <laughs> nail it. <laughs> Well, for more musical goodness from Belly, be sure to grab a listen to his epic podcast, Rewind with Steve Bell, where he takes us all on some very deep dives into some of history's most important releases with the artists themselves and countless other guests to share the stories. Season 8 with Paul Kelly and Season 9 with Archie Roach, the brand new series, they're out right now. For more info, head to our show notes for today's episode. Belly, thank you for always bringing solid gold. I'll catch you next week. Thanks, Diana. You have a good one. And on Press Play, it is time now for Singled Out, a segment where we look at some recent singles that have dropped into the world recently. Marcy is back per usual. And Marcy, today, I know we say it, but today felt like a near impossible feat to cull down to just four. It was impossible. Like, we seriously struggled. What happens when you have a week, you get massive drops from Flume with Maya, the collab we all deserve. You get Peking Duck, Jaguar Jones, Missy Higgins, and, and you've, you, you've got Mallrat out there as well. Yes, look, I'm sneaking in Mallrat just as a little bonus this week because obviously being a Queenslander, Brizzy, a pretty <laughs> artist just routinely delivered. She's come back with a track called Your Love and what really gra- jumped out for me, the reason I wanted to mention it, it's got this amazing Gangster Pat sample on it which just has this amazing throwback vibes. You love, you love, you love, you love, you love, you love. The team she has amassed on it. She's got mixing by Andrew Dawson, who has worked with Kanye West and Tyler, the creator. So I had to sneak that in because it is such a huge release. And I think we're going to see a big thing from someone who started in her bedroom creating to this. This is going to be a big 2022. But let's get into our official four singles for Singled Out, Masty. What are we starting with today? We're going to start with a pretty special one. It's uh, Tim Wheatley and Because I Love You. What you want to do, be what you 
last week, well-known industry figure Glenn Wheatley died. While he's been best known for driving the career of John Farnham and being a radio entrepreneur, for my generation, he was a member of one of the most influential bands of the 60s and 70s. As a kid, I was obsessed with the song Future of Our Nation by his band, The Master's Apprentices. As I got older, I realised what an amazing back catalogue of songs the band had and how many of the bands I liked were also influenced by them. Covers of Master's Apprentices songs were, you know, were, were not common but they weren't uncommon and I even remember interviewing American garage rockers the Black Lips once and they raved about the Masters Apprentices and that's when I realized that their reach had been global and been building over the years. One of the band's greatest songs is Because I Love You. It's a beautiful song about separation and it's now been recorded by Wheatley's son Tim. With his father's passing the song's lyrics are just more poignant than ever. This is a superb rendition of the song, Tim Has Done His Father Proud, possibly the best vocal of his career, possibly because it, it, the song meant so much to him too. It, it's brought so much out. The song also features some really subtle playing that builds to a thrilling climax and the harmonica throughout is stunning. And I, I can only simply say it's a brilliant song done justice. Yeah, I mean... There is so much behind this incredible track, I know, and it's such an emotional song as a standalone, but the emotional punch it packs after recent events. And I know that this was actually planned to be part of an EP that Tim was going to release that's now been put on hold, but we still got this amazing tribute. It is so beautifully crafted and I feel like it's kind of been a universal way for friends, family and the industry and beyond to connect and just remember this truly incredible human. And I know in time we'll hear more from Tim, but for now we can only thank him for this incredible cover and, yeah, a really, really fitting tribute with such a tragic time for the industry especially. Uh, Very, very well put. Uh, We're going to move on to a new one uh, by Running Touch called Come With Me. Touch, of course, has made one of the most impressive crossovers from heavy music to dance floor electronics and Skrillex. I think, if I've added this up correctly, this is solo single number 16 for the uh, Ocean Grows member. Now, what you've got to remember amongst that slew of singles is he got platinum accreditation for When I'm Around You in 2019 and gold certified for My Hands in 2018. And you forget what a big deal Running Touch has become. Come With Me is a calling card from the forthcoming album Carmine due to drop on May 6th. It's an atmospheric 3am in the club floor filler. Chris Beats and a moody melody should see this one getting added to playlists and sets before the summer is out. Definitely. And I have been a big Running Touch fan, largely for the Ocean Grove factor, but he's just really evolved and become this electronic luminary like like you said he's come from a very much heavier world but for me saying come with me it just feels like a lesson lesson in lush soundscapes and just this really sublime fusing of both natural and artificial kind of oral foundations and it is because he does like to play stuff live because he is an instrumentalist and he does have that too so he's got a bit of a nice mixture of the two and I feel like it's exciting to see him continue to evolve as a storyteller as much as this shimmering artist so this album's going to be something pretty special i foresee and uh, away from that is the new one possibly the first one from thornbird called bullets and heartaches This side project of the Waste, Vicky Thorne, see what she's done with the name there, Thornbird, Vicky Thorne. Uh, it is a fun surprise of country blues. This seems to be another musical project that's come about due to COVID. Um, Thorne said she found herself back in WA after the cancellation of Waste gigs and she stumbled across uh, a bar and this great band that she really liked. Then she says it turns out I had a bunch of songs sitting in a box. I asked them if they wanted to do it. 
they actually live nearby. Turns out they were all keen. Yet this somehow sounds like a band that's been playing together forever. It is so tight. They have created an incredible swagger of a tune. It kicks back. It's rough. It's ready. It's catchy. Thorne's voice is perfectly suited to this style of music and the twanging chorus of Wild West Love is a classic country hook already. The best news is there's a whole album of this on the way. Yes, I'm so excited. And can I just say what a name for a song, Bullets and Heartache. It just instantly grabbed my attention. And it is, it really, I love that the backstory syncs up with the music because it's that barroom bluesy ode to love that sometimes we just need to have that and swagger again that you said, like just swaggering into that bar on a dark, smoky night. But bonus points too, I believe her next door neighbours featured on the track as well and it's just soaked in easy grooves and graveled guitars that makes you believe in love just that little bit more even if it's just for the night in the bar (laughs) and we're going to end with a new one from shouse called won't forget you You've been living under a rock if you don't know the biggest dance dance anthem of the lockdown era, and that was Shouse's Love Tonight. Well, the West Melbourne duo are back with another stirring house stormer in Won't Forget You. Currently, Love Tonight is sitting at some crazy number of streams on Spotify. I think, again, my dodgy math, I think I've totaled it at 450 million streams. It seems like an impossible number, so maybe fact check me out there. But that is what I what I totaled it up. So that's a lot of pressure on a follow-up. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> well, they bring back the stirring choir vocals that made Love Tonight such a standout. This one is built around harpsichord and saxophone. Shouse are not your run-of-the-mill dance producers. The beats are old schoolhouse. The vibe is what I call daylight coming through the windows as your Saturday night turns into the heightened feels of a Sunday morning. It's minimal, it's slinky, and once again, it's anthemic. Yeah, and I think, like you touched on, following up from Love Tonight was always going to feel like a bit of an Everest. Like, how do you catch lightning in a bottle when said lightning went from an underground anthem to acclaimed global phenomenon? Like, But... This track, like we've got a choir, we've got ethereal vocals and this deep dance floor anthem, it just overflows as well with solidarity and hope. Plus, I am always, always on board for a sax solo. So, yes, Shouse, bring it on. But, Marcy, I am very proud of us. We could whittle down to a few tunes based on what we've had this week. It was definitely a tricky week to cull through, but some amazing songs. And as always, for all our listeners, you can grab a listen in full to any of these songs we've featured on today's episode, including all these singles we've just mentioned. Check out our Press Play mixtape on Spotify or head to our Instagram at pressplay.pod to learn more. That is all there is for Press Play today. What another amazing week of music. A big thank you, as always, to my regulars, Andrew Mast and Steve Bell, for constantly bringing the musical goods each week here on Press Play. And a big thanks to Mikey, our guest reviewer. It was his first time back on Press Play for 2022. Always a pleasure. You can check out more of his work via our show notes in our euphony.com.au episode or wherever you're listening right now. And a big shout out to our amazing guest artist for today, of course, Joe Newman from Alt J. And Alt J's fourth studio album, The Dream, is out in the world tomorrow. And as I mentioned earlier, you can catch the whole chat I had with Joe over on my other podcast, The Green Room with Tiana Speeder. That is also out tomorrow, so keep your ears out. To catch up on any previous episodes of Press Play you may have missed or want to re-listen to, or perhaps to discover another podcast to fall in love with, head on over to our website, euphony.com.au. You can find our Spotify mixtape there as well as all the other episodes, heaps of other shows and articles as well. Swing by, come hang out with us. And as always, any reviews, subscribes, likes and or follows, they always help us to continue to spread the word about all things music. And if you do want to stay up to date with all things Press Play, including starting a glam metal band with me potentially, why not visit our Instagram at pressplay.pod to catch all the latest episode news and more. 
Thanks for tuning in and I will catch you next week. Love music, press play. Press Play is a Euphony podcast created by Craig Trewick, produced by Tiana Speeder and Andrew Mast. Assistant producer Henry Gibson, hosted by Tiana Speeder. Recorded, edited, and engineered by Zig Parker. Music by Zig Parker. For more information about this episode, go to euphony.com.au. For more Euphony podcasts, visit our website, Spotify, Apple, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts.